This episode is brought to you by Priceline Pharmacy. I'm dyslexic, so it takes me like an hour to, <laughs> to write a text message, not to mention I've often got 100 kids yelling at me. And that's the thing, like I feel like the biggest fraud because people go, yeah, she's a Balinese princess, but one, I can't speak Indonesian. Two, there's no money here. <laughs> Three, I'm really, you know, I'm a real tazzy girl at heart. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. I hope you enjoyed this week's bonus episode, everyone, and we're chasing it up with a very appropriate chat for Women's Health Week this week. The beautiful Lindy Rama Ellis joined us from her home in Bali to tell us about her new business, Fig Femme, which is blazing a trail in breaking down the taboo surrounding a fundamental area of women's health. Lindy is endearingly and perhaps surprisingly honest about how challenging it's been adding this bold new project to mothering four children juggled between two countries with a global pandemic added to the mix. Yes, there's a bit of vagina talk in this one, but in the way Lindy seems to deal with everything in life, it's as classy and poised as ever. And of course, my favourite part of every story is that this latest chapter is preceded by so many others that revealed nothing about where Lindy would end up, which we spend equally as much time on. She's one of the perfect examples of someone whose title in the media creates a totally incomplete picture of who she really is. While she is in fact the Balinese princess that we've heard all about through her paternal side, she was brought up as a simple Tassie girl by her mother back in Australia. We chat about the challenges of dyslexia, the identity struggle in divorce, the liberation of entering your 30s and 40s, motherhood, blended families, criticism and the elusive concept of balance. Lindy's known among friends for rocking a ball gown when required, but being as down-to-earth and as barefoot as ever in every other moment, and I think that shines through in this episode. You guys know I truly, truly adore shedding some light on the person behind the glossy surface that we sometimes see on social media and the media, so I hope you enjoy getting to know Lindy a bit better as much as I did. Lindy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's nice to see you. It's been a while. <laughs> it is so lovely to see you. And I just wish I could teleport myself to Bali right now to give you a big hug and bask oh, in the sunshine. <laughs> I know. I wish you could as well. I'd definitely um, be bringing out the cocktails, making sure you had to, had a nice time. I feel so sad for all my Melbourne friends. It's like it's a really depressing time. But oh, I know. Never mind. Yeah. I think one of the really, really lovely things we were talking just before we started about gratitude and the idea that there's always something that you can find that you can be grateful for. And one of them for me has been, if we were going to go through a pandemic, I'm so grateful we did it in a time when Zoom had been invented. I know. Can you imagine? Like it's just, (laughs) what would we all be doing? I have no idea. Like how would you even feel connected? When did they invent Zoom? I don't even know. I feel like it just came out. Has it always been here? Did we? I don't know. Maybe it 
it was invented just as it hit. I don't know. Or maybe it's been here for a while, but we just haven't used it because we've never really needed to. Yeah. <laughs> I've definitely <laughs> been one of those people who I'm like such a texter instead of a caller. Yeah. So I didn't know there yeah, were all yeah. these features because I'm like, just text me. Like, just don't, I just don't have time for a call. Like, just text me what you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm the same. And actually, I'm really bad on the phone usually, like talking on the phone. I'm just like, mm. I just get over it. And I've always got kids interrupting me and whatever. So, but my, I love doing that voice, to, not voice to text, but leaving a voice message is my favorite thing. Oh my God. Do you know, I have noticed all my friends who live overseas love voice memos. Mm. Everyone in Australia ah, thinks they're the bane of their existence. They don't use it. No. And like, really? And when you're friend, because all my international friends only will communicate with me that way. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> I think I'm onto it now. Yeah. Well, I'm dyslexic. So it takes me like an hour to, <laughs> to write a text message, not to mention I've often got 100 kids yelling at me. So if I can just quickly go, da, 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 and then it goes, it's brilliant. <laughs> or, or if I'm in the car driving and I get a voice memo, you just press play. You don't have to read it and then have a car crash. So yeah, I mean, it's actually quite good. <laughs> it's pretty good when you don't have a car crash. I think that counts as a good day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they happen regularly in Bali, unfortunately, but anyway. Oh, well, that's the other thing we were talking about, right? The grass is always greener. Like there's so many things yeah, I want from Bali and I'm sure you're like, I just <laughs> want Australian wine and cheese. And Yeah, that's it. <laughs> 100%. Oh, well, before we kick off, I love to start every episode with a little icebreaker that you've kind of already answered, but okay. I just ask what the most down to earth thing is about you because I think especially for people who others have seen in the media or in a very static way. It's very easy to think that our lives are, you know, glossy and perfect, mm. but you've already mentioned motherhood, exactly. having kids all over you. And <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I actually think, yeah, this is true. People sort of think that, you know, I'm at like an event and I'm wearing a beautiful dress and I've got lots of money and all of that sort of stuff. That is, you know, I don't have lots of money, actually far from it, especially now. But yeah, I can definitely wear beautiful dresses from time to time. But I also live here in Bali, which is very grounding. So, you know, I don't wear makeup and I basically live in Birkenstocks every single day and denim shorts. <laughs> and then also to see the local communities here, that is very grounding in itself. So, yeah, that's probably what people don't know about me. <laughs> and I love that because there's always an answer that you probably wouldn't necessarily expect and people don't often investigate the chapters of people's lives before the one they walk in on. That's but right. But I love, I love showing that because we're all yeah. humans and I think people forget that really easily. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So the first section is called Your Way TA, which is pretty much just that, where we go back through all the chapters that people don't hear about as much and okay. trace through all the decisions that you made to get you where you are today and just remind everyone that success and life is not linear. We've all been through Ooh. phases where we didn't know what was coming next and, you know. That's it, right. It looks like you yeah. found your joy now, but you kind of never wake up that way and just go, yeah, I know what I'm doing. No, never, <laughs> never, ever. Many sleepless nights going, what am I doing? But, yeah, you've got to trust. We've all got to trust a little bit more. There's always a next day. Totally. So take us back to young Lindy. And I found your upbringing so interesting because oh. I have some parallels. I was adopted from South Korea and then grew uh -huh. up in Australia. So had... Uh -huh 
no connection with South Korean culture, but this like completely Asian appearance, which I know you sort of had a yeah. similar but different. So talk us through being, you know, the niece of the King of Denpasar and a yeah. royal, but then growing <laughs> up in Tassie, it's an interesting story. I know. So yeah, so I'm, I'm half Balinese, half Australian. My dad was from Bali. My mum's the Australian one, which is quite unusual. Usually it's the other way around. So my mum came here in Bali in the 70s, which was kind of rare at the time as well. Not very many people were sort of living here and coming a lot to Bali. So she met my dad who, yeah, he was from the royal family. My, I think it's my great uncle is the king of Denpasar. But there are like eight kingdoms in Bali. So it's actually, it's not that amazing. I mean, it is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) But there are many of us. And it's more on the sense that, what do you say? It's like a caste system. So if you think of like Hinduism, that's a religion of Bali. And like in India, and there's a caste system. So we're at the top of the caste system, being an Anagul, which means children of the king. And then there's a there's a Made, and then the, you know you keep going down the line like that. So it's more of a respect thing than a wealth thing. You know, when I found out I was you know from a royal family, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> so much money. <laughs> you know? But uh, yes, a third world country doesn't have that much money, so. Being from a, you know, royal family from here is, you know, money-wise is not that great, but the respect-wise is really nice. So then my parents actually divorced when I was three and then I, my mum took me back to Tasmania. So I grew up in Tasmania for the rest of my life until I was 18, I think I left and went to London. So it was beautiful growing up in Tasmania. I had the most idyllic life. I had, you know, an amazing family, a great stepdad. My grandparents were like everything to me in my life. Like they are just so incredible. And I didn't really hear much from my dad. So I probably saw him twice again, I think when I was 11 and then again when I was 18. So I didn't have really like a connection to him. And then also I actually didn't realise I looked any different until I started high school Mm. and I went to kind of a rough school, I guess. (laughs) It wasn't a private school, it was a rough school. And I got teased. Like the very first day I was being called nip and all these things. And I had no idea what a nip was. And uh, and so I went home. I was like, mom, like what? Like what is this? And then my mom did the typical parent thing and actually went to the school and complained and made it worse. And it was just this. So the bullying was really hard for me and um, I was the only Asian person at school. Then I think got to like grade nine. How old are you in grade nine? Like 14, I think, maybe 15? Yeah, I think so, yeah. And then it turned. The boys started to fancy me and want to date me. So that's when it did start to turn. But there, there were still pockets of people that would still be really, really nasty and really, really rude to me. So I found that really hard. And then I guess I moved from Tasmania when I was 18. I had a boyfriend who was much older than me and we moved to London and he was a musician. So then my life kind of moved on and um, so that was a very early, early stages. Gosh, (laughs) I mean that in itself already reveals just how much the story is often different to what you hear because in every single, like when I did my research, I was like, oh, Balinese princess, Balinese princess. And <laughs> yes. it's like, she, she's a Tassie girl. Like, what are you even talking yeah, about? <laughs> that's it. And that's the thing, like, I feel like the biggest fraud because one, I don't even speak Bahasa Indonesian. I don't speak it. I grew up in Australia. So living here, and I've lived here for eight years now, I still can't speak it because I struggle with like dyslexia and I'm really bad at English to begin with. So learning a whole new (laughs) language, it's really hard for me. So 
that's really difficult. So I feel like a fraud in that sense. Like people go, yeah, she's a Balinese princess, but one, I can't speak Indonesian. Two, there's no money here. <laughs> Three, I'm really, you know, I'm a real Tazzy girl at heart. Yeah. <laughs> I love realising, yeah, just how much behind the scenes there always is in the story. And my husband yes. actually is from Tazzy and is half Singaporean ah. and oh, wow. faced that same thing of being, he was yeah. in Devonport and was like the only remotely international mm. looking kid in within miles and was just teased yeah. so much and even here in Melbourne we had the same but it's funny how at some point in your schooling it clicks over to it being exotic like your mm-hmm. difference goes yes. from being a bad thing to a good thing <laughs> exactly it's, I mean it did until I started modeling in Melbourne and then I became like the token because they had to have like a redhead you know a Eurasian looking girl and but I was never given like the cover or I was never given the the star role and even when I got married to my ex-husband I would be on the cover of like a new idea magazine and things like that but they would lighten my skin every time they would (gasps) photoshop my skin so I had like white skin no and it was just like wow yeah so times have changed dramatically since then, um, thank goodness. But, yeah, yeah I definitely gosh. struggled being Eurasian. Yeah. It's <laughs> always interesting, I think, how much we all struggle with our identity in different ways. And mm. it's like that whole phase of coming into your own and figuring out what you like about yourself and what you yeah. used to hide and now coming into, you know, being confident. It's Confidence is such a long journey. <laughs> it is the longest journey. And I have often speak about this with my husband and, you know, I see a lot of people struggling with confidence confidence and I don't know whether it's an age thing that I'm 42 now but I feel confident I'm so comfortable in my skin and I have a voice and I I don't have really anxiety and I don't have any of that which I know I definitely struggled with in my 20s and 30s so mm. even though that I still have the stress stress is always there but that anxiety that I used to feel is not there anymore which is really nice yeah I think that is something about this is why I love going through those chapters so much because your 20s is meant to be full of angst like that's what it's supposed to be like and then your 30s is kind of like stripping all that back and then I feel like so many of my friends have said since their 40s it's been the best decade they've had but I I love that now people see you and you're so comfortable but you're like I wasn't Mm. always like this I used to be lost and without direction (laughs) I know exactly (laughs) so what did you think you wanted to be when you were younger? I know your mum was a really hard worker and a big role mm-hmm. model for you having like teaching and waitressing and yep. then you started modelling and then you moved to yep. London. So what was your sort of big goal or dream at oh, that time? Gee, I just didn't know. That was the thing. And, and definitely growing up in Tasmania, I think maybe it too, not just Tasmania, I think maybe it was the time, like the 80s, there wasn't a lot suggested to me like to do. So Basically, it said, like, we even got a manual of work. And they, they were, in the manual, it was like, you could be a nurse, you could be a teacher, you could be a doctor. And it's like, oh, God, what the hell am I going to do? I don't want to be any of these things. And there wasn't in this manual makeup artist, model, creative. There was nothing creative in this thing. I didn't know that there were jobs out there that I could do that were creative. I didn't know, like, I didn't know anything about being a stylist or, um, you know, makeup artist or mod, like any of those things that I was really kind of photographer even. Like mm-hmm. they weren't options given to me as a child. So really my mum was like, oh, you know, you could, mate, you definitely model. So you maybe be a flight attendant and then you could model from different countries, you know, and <laughs> So, and because I was terrible at school and terrible at learning, 
going to university wasn't an option at all. So I really drifted. I was just not, I had no idea. Mm. And I guess modeling was the start of things for me. But in the end, I just, I really just did not know. And I think that was most of my anxiety came from that, just not knowing where the hell I was going to end up in life. And I think, um, you know, definitely modeling gave me, you know, little sort of inroads into different lifestyles and different um, job opportunities and things. But yeah, it was a real struggle as a, as a kid to know what you wanted to do. I think also not being academic can disadvantage you so much because the school system, while it's wonderful in some ways, mm. can often lead you to think that you're unintelligent in all the senses of the word. Like there's creative exactly. intelligence. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. And that's why it was really important for me, for my kids. So one of them, you know, we're kind of probably going off topic here, but we moved to Bali. <laughs> one of the reasons were because my kids were getting teased in Australia and I just didn't want that to happen. But two, I could notice that um, my eldest was more kind of like me in the sense um, and she is creative and I wanted her to have these experiences over here and go to these schools where they really kind of concentrate on, you know, developing that more, not just on the educational side of things and the learning, which is also a double sort of thing on that is my son is the, is the intelligent one. Like he needs a school where it pushes him, which we have just moved into one now. But, yeah, I think not a lot of schools really look at that creative side in people. Yeah, and it's another reason I think why I'm so grateful to live in this time is that influence and business mm. and good ideas have started to become a lot more democratised by yes. the digital landscape and yeah. now the world is slowly opening up to the idea of not going to university and still having That's it. so many opportunities open. So yeah. you ended up going into business. Was Milk Baby the first business? Yeah, so we had Milk for Men first and then while Michael was developing that, that was mainly for him, I was pregnant with Stella and thought, okay, well, I'm going to do my own little offshoot of this and do milk baby and then we did the female milk for women which was um milk baby was a huge success it was massive mm. was that your first taste of like this is my purpose like this is whole world yeah. is something I never knew was a job and now yes I can actually yeah. <laughs> it was like flourish yeah it was and I mean I've often said this is that I just business is not my forte and I guess actually having Michael there who is quite good at business has you know he taught me a lot of things and without him in my life to do that then I would never have been able to launch my next business and you know and have that knowledge that I have now but it, yeah it came from just necessity it came from me not having that particular product and thinking well if I need this in my life then I'm sure other people are kind of you know going to want to have it as well and then also a lot of that milk baby was made from a manufacturer in Tasmania so I took it kind of back to Tassie and had that you know that sort of relationship with them down there which was really nice as well. Oh, that's amazing. And yeah. something you said as well, I think I actually talk about this more than I expected I would talk about it. But it's interesting that firstly, there's I just uh, released the Seize the A book and a big chapter mm. in that is about reason, season, lifetime. And I think there are so many people and it seems like your relationship with Michael was like this. For a time in your life, mm-hmm. it gave you everything. For a time yes. in your life, it worked and, he, and you do right. credit so much of that yeah. stage to him yeah. being around. And it, it also makes me think of feminism as well that I think we go really hardcore on independent woman independent woman but yeah I think I wouldn't be in business without Nick no exactly it's just about a partnership whether they're male or female it depends on who you're partnered with at that time of your life like 
and it goes in cycles too. That's, you know, like even friendship groups, if you look at that, like I've, I know that I definitely sometimes move my friendship groups from time to time and, you know, you've got one person in your life for a long time and then you switch to someone else and it's really about sort of what you're needing, not just from that person at that time but what you're both getting from it, I think, from that relationship and it, it's going to change as your life evolves, yeah. definitely. And everything comes in chapters and I don't think, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have forever decisions in all areas of mm. our life but actually nothing's yes. really meant to necessarily last forever because you no. have to change. That's right. I think change is fantastic. Like I just couldn't imagine not wanting to change like I'm constantly wanting to evolve and just you know broaden my horizons on everything like I think change is necessary and looking back with hindsight and looking back at also I think discomfort is a really really big opportunity Mm. for growth how Mm -hmm. do you reflect on that time of your life wife to an Olympian I imagine you were traveling a lot and also yeah mom and three kids like it's a lot going on (laughs) There was a lot going on. We did have a really, really hectic life and it was all in Australia. We moved to Bali eight years ago. So I still had three kids, you know, in Australia with sort of known help and running a business and, you know, Michael had gone back to swimming again for the second time. It was very chaotic and very, very hectic and I just look back and think, wow, and that was a diff- like I was definitely stressed at that moment and definitely had major down moments and, I would say that, and also not having that support. And back then we didn't really have Instagram and like we didn't have really Twitter and things like that either. So there wasn't really a community for me um, as a new mum. And a lot of my friends didn't even have kids yet. So I was kind of just, and mother group, mother's groups were not my, they were not my jam, like to hang out <laughs> with a bunch of women that you don't know all because you live in the same area. I was a bit like, no, no thanks, that's not for me. But I did definitely feel isolated a lot being a new mum, yeah, and, and also working. So then having the judgment around that as well was quite difficult. Yeah, gosh. Mm. Uh, we haven't had kids yet, <laughs> but I've noticed just generally in society that there's no time like new motherhood where people think their opinion about how you do oh. your life is relevant. Yeah. Like, I'm like, where did this come from? <laughs> I know. It's just bizarre. It Honestly, the amount of things that people have written into me or judged me on and it's just like, Life is hard enough without having someone you don't even know put their input in. It's just, you know, it's too much. (laughs) (laughs) So back to the idea of chapters, I think it's hard for anyone sort of saying goodbye to an old chapter and welcoming a Mm. new one in general in life, let alone when it's in the public eye, a million people are looking at what you're doing, kids are involved. Now how do you think, like I think a lot of people are so hard on themselves about relationships, Mm. separating and then find it very, very difficult to rebuild their identity Mm -hmm. from scratch. But you've done that in such a beautiful, dignified way. And I love also how you and Michael are now still co-parent and Mm -hmm. you're such a beautiful blended family. But I imagine that took a lot of work and soul searching. It did. (laughs) Talk us through that. (laughs) It took a long time and it was a very intense moment in all of our lives. There was so much heartache and anger involved and it took, yeah, it's taken, I mean, it took us four years to get back to the point of being able to have a conversation again. Mm. I know I used to be an an ex-lawyer, but lawyers were really (laughs) like, uh, yeah, divorce lawyers. It was just, it was a lot and I wish 
going back in time that we would have got um, like a mediator, which we ended up doing towards the end. Mm. And the mediator was like amazing. So that's how we ended up being able to talk to each other again and so much cheaper, like $300. (laughs) We would have saved like so much money. Um, And also just really helpful in getting our relation back on track. So, um, yeah, it was very different, difficult, actually, I should say, time. But, um, yeah, I'm so happy about the progress and that we've been able to sort of work it back and and now have this life where we can kind of all get along. I think you are really just such a shining light in a world where a blended modern family is more the norm than anything, that yeah. it's it takes time and it's not going to all mm-hmm. be okay overnight. But if you want no. it enough, you can work towards. You can. And you, we definitely have our ups and downs. Like we still have, it's not, you know, we're no, I'm no, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin here. Like we're very, <laughs> we still have our ups and downs. And thankfully, I mean, we have Adam who my husband is just amazing. So even if, Michael and I have a little, you know, you know, we're not seeing eye to eye on something. Often Adam will step in and be like a little mediator as well. So it's quite nice that we have that. And um, the conversation is always there and it's, you know, it's, it's good that we can communicate. <laughs> a quick word before we continue today from our partner in Yay, Priceline Pharmacy, your one-stop shop for all your health, beauty and wellness needs. This spring, Priceline Pharmacy is helping to keep you as healthy and happy as possible and hopefully making your life that little bit easier. Whether you need to fill a script, treat your hay fever or allergies, or you're simply looking for a fresh new beauty routine. You can even access convenient new services like Scripts Now and eScripts, which make getting your scripts even easier. So for help managing your medicines, beauty tips and advice, or if you just need to find a little yay in your life, head into your local Priceline Pharmacy and speak to one of their amazing and friendly team members. Now back to the episode. And I just love so much that when you were least expecting it, you found new love. You've had another little beautiful baby Goldie Uh and another business. Like it's like this suits you so well. You just flourished in your 40s in a way that I'm sure you probably never envisioned when you were 20. But Yeah, I know. It's kind of, you know, when I was talking about cycles, poor Adam gets really worried because I had a 10-year relationship when I was 18 and then I met Michael and had a 10-year relationship. Oh, no. Adam and I have been together for like or coming up to five years and now he's like, oh, my God, do I have like five years left? Do you work in 10-year cycles? <laughs> but no, he's here to stay. <laughs> this oh is a gosh. cycle I can break. But, um, yeah, no, it's really nice that I met Adam and I definitely wasn't planning on meeting anyone nor was I planning on ever getting married again. I really was off the idea of being married. But you've met Adam. Like once you've met him, he, you just think, well, how could I not marry this guy? Like, he's just... <laughs> is amazing and he's taken my kids and just gives them so much love and support and yeah it's amazing so yeah that's our little family oh, or a big family gosh. yeah I know. <laughs> <laughs> in uh, one of your interviews it actually came up uh-huh. that in an interview from the 90s when you were modeling you once oh said God. that you wanted four kids I know I just can't and I'm very good at manifesting is that the word yeah man- yeah manifesting yeah. manifesting things so I'm constantly I will think of something and then it'll actually happen. And as I've lived my whole life like that, it's just, and it always has worked. So wow. if I say it enough times and think about it enough, it just, it happens. 
So, and I think I did that interview before I'd even had Stella. I think I was pregnant with her maybe. And this is like, I was the worst pregnant woman in history. Like I'm (laughs) basically, I cannot get out of bed. I'm sick the whole entire time. I lose my personality. I'm just foul. I'm a horrible person to be around, but yet I've done it four times. (laughs) It's just weird. Oh my gosh. How did it differ in your forties being pregnant as opposed to when you first had Stella? It was, yeah, it was hard. Like I didn't bounce back from it. That's for sure. Like it was very, I was very tired and exhausted and not to mention, I was still going through a really bad divorce. So Michael and I were not at that stage of being able to talk. So I had that added pressure and stress on top of it, which was really, and I think Adam protected me a lot from that because I just couldn't my, and I'm, old like I was 40 um, a week <laughs> after I gave birth you are not old don't Goldie. worry babe <laughs> <laughs> I was so I was feeling old and I think you know there's a lot of you know pregnancy in your 40s is quite dangerous so we ne- really needed to protect me and make sure I was healthy and the baby and all that sort of stuff but um yeah that was hard like and then having the three kids and you know their ups and downs and also I guess having the added they're emotional. I mean, they're actually all really excited for the baby, but definitely there were times when I guess they were a little bit emotional in the sense of not knowing where they belong in the family. Um, Mm. That was something we also had to navigate and and work our way through. But yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't think anyone could accuse you of shying away from a challenge because in the midst of all this, I love how you've gone, yeah, I'm going to start a new business. I've got four kids. <laughs> I know it's so strange how I do things like that but um it's amazing just... though it's funny that you said you're old it's like you're not you're at the start of a whole new chapter <laughs> and I think people who defy age as a number yeah I love that because I think you can get really weathered down by being tired of things and it can make yes. you feel older than you are and make mm-hmm. you feel like you could never start again but yeah I love that you're like no <laughs> this is the beginning I'm starting a brand new business I am Gwyneth because I'm going to make yes, you <laughs> talk about your vaginas tell us about this I know well it's interesting too because I I did try another like another business a few you know a few years ago I thought at this one point I could be a fashion designer and I started you know this company turns out I'm a terrible fashion designer <laughs> And terrible. <laughs> Love it. But at least I give it a go. Like if I have an idea, I usually give it a good go. Yeah. And I've tried many, many things. I mean, I was a DJ once upon a time. Stop so yeah. it. Yeah, I was going to go, yeah, I'm going to DJ. I can when do that. When was that? And I, um, I just had Stella. I mean, I even started getting jobs at Crown and I was getting paid like two grand. To you did Crown not. That's amazing. <laughs> so I quite, I like to sort of reinvent myself a lot, which mm. is um interesting I mean, and I, I like to try new things but yeah with this whole new chapter with fig femme it's definitely something that I'm really passionate about and I've so loved working on it and um, it's taken me two years to get the product right and it's you know it's been a journey um, especially launching it in COVID times and not being able to get my messaging out there the way I wanted to and and things but um but yeah it's exciting. Oh my gosh. How did you actually come up with the idea, particularly as it's an area of women's health that not a lot of us actually think about and there's not really an equivalent product and it's actually Women's Health Week this week. So it's like the perfect time to talk about this product. Amazing. (laughs) Well, this is the whole point. Women don't talk about it and they don't talk about it enough. And there are definitely a few products out there, but women hide them. 
Like I've been to my girlfriend's homes and they are definitely in the bathroom cabinets hidden away <laughs> and people are like too afraid to, to say that, yeah, I use them. They're not going to sit side by side their La Mer or anything like that. Like it's just they're more of being like a pharmaceutical product or, you know, a bit sort of, yeah, they, they just don't want to admit to using these products. So that kind of concerned me, um, especially I've been to Europe and places and, and this is just a norm over mm. there. And, and also in Asia, like women are very open about these things. And I'm just kind of like, why, you know, Australians kind of need something that we can use and be, feel proud to use. And yeah, so Fig Femme probably came from that. And having conversations with my girlfriends who some of them are open and love using the word vulvas and vaginas but definitely there are a few that are like can you just stop like it's embarrassing I can't don't say that word it upsets me I get you know funny about it so even having those conversations with them and I'm like oh come on guys like it's you shouldn't be embarrassed like we've all got one like it shouldn't have this sort of I don't know taboo Mm. feeling around it like it should not be like this so that was my main kind of reasoning for bringing out Fig Femme and I'm really passionate about it. And, you know, obviously I've got a few products, but I launched with the Volva mask, which definitely has opened a whole tin of worms and people have <laughs> taken it and run with it and, and kind of have pulled bits and pieces from it, um, but not really have understood the product, which is purely to make you feel good. It is something to put on after you've had a wax or after you've had laser or you've been for a run in tight, you know, clothing mm. or whatever it is. I actually, I saw someone on their Instagram put on, they said, oh, you know, a girlfriend of mine said that she had a COVID-related injury of wearing uh, nothing but tight track pants for the last six months <laughs> and fig, fig fam vulva masks are perfect for it. And it's true. Like we're already doing things to that part of our body that require, you know, that it it's aggravates it. And so this product is just to put on to soothe that part of your body after we've already done something to aggravate it in the first place. And not to mention it's about me time. It's about laying down, giving yourself 20 minutes where you can lock that door because if you put a normal face mask on, you can still go and cook dinner or vacuum or whatever. Um, But this forces you to lay down, put the mask on, listen to a meditation, drink some wine, do whatever it is that you want to do for that 20 minutes um, while you're sort of nurturing that part of your body and bring your attention back to that part of the body, which a lot of women have never, ever done before. So I think that's, you know, I think that's really important. And also to have these conversations that we're having now and to try and break down that whole taboo that we shouldn't be talking about this part of our body, which is ridiculous to me. I know. It's just fascinating (laughs) how much stigma there still is around even the mm. word vagina and vaginal health and the idea yeah. that it's what you said, like we all have one. It's so alarming yeah. that it's like we're shocked when we hear yeah. that we have exactly. one. It's like, oh, yeah. what a surprise. What? Like, yes. <laughs> I know. And then also this kind of really old-fashioned thinking where, you know, a doctor has said many years ago that you're not to use anything there apart from water and it's self-cleaning and all of this sort of stuff. And it's kind of, yes, it's true. And you shouldn't muck around with the pH balance down there. And my products are all pH level tested. It's not, they're not, they don't have any fragrance to them. It's not about disguising your own scent. It's not about Mm. doing any of that, but definitely the wash and the spray that I have, that these are products that you can use daily. And I know for sure, like when I'm in the shower, 
I'm definitely using the body wash that's on my body for that part of my body anyway. So why wouldn't I want to have a separate product that is pH level for that area? Yeah. So it know. actually just makes so much sense. Like it's such an obvious area. If if anything, it's kind of a more important area of women's health than face that's skin right. and body yeah. skin. Like it's a reproductive that's organ that's also your I know. pleasure center yeah. and it's yeah. part of, you know, daily life. I still get just mm-hmm. totally baffled at how much we recoil when we like talk about it. And it's- I know. And I, yeah, I definitely wasn't prepared. I mean, I knew that I would upset some people and people would take it the wrong way. I wasn't prepared to, for what I got <laughs> in the end. Yeah. And that was quite shocking to me. And I've definitely had some really down moments in the last month, you know, from launching this product to thinking, what have I done? Like, I've, have I made, is this a huge mistake? Like, have mm. I really, you know, what, what do I do now? And Adam's like, we don't have any choice. You just got to keep going. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, lots of sleepless nights. But I think, um, you know, doing more interviews, you know, with people like yourself and trying to get my message out to them, you know, and being heard. Mm. Um, and I think, too, people just need to do a little bit more investigating and asking questions before talking <laughs> sometimes <Yeah>. helps. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think there's like... <laughs> A, a huge part of doing anything new is just normalizing talking mm. about it. And the more people talk That's about right. it, the less uncomfortable they get about it because it's less exactly. foreign. And it yep. also like you don't have to do it in a really crass way. It doesn't have to be like vagina, no. vagina. No. Like I love the name and the branding and the packaging. Mm-hmm. It's very luxe. It's very warm and inviting. It's yeah. not trying to be loud and controversial. Like yeah. I think the problem with doing anything new and emerging is that you're mm-hmm. always going to make someone unhappy, but someone has to be brave Extremely enough to stick with it. To do it. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, that's that's the thing with the packaging and I wanted to make it really beautiful and really luxe. And that's right. I didn't want to be that loud and crass kind of, you know, vagina, vagina kind of thing. And it's interestingly enough, one of the people that attacked me kind of, you know, is that person who gets dressed up as a vagina and sings a song. And to me, that's kind of crass, right? It's not, it's just not my, it's not my jam. It's not something that I would do. But then I bring out a product where I want to, you know, bring your attention to that area. And all of a sudden I'm body shaming. It's kind of like, really? I don't kind of understand that. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. What do you do in those moments of self-doubt or criticism? Like I think you probably being in the public eye, face it times one million of any of us. Mm-hmm. But we, mm-hmm. I think it's still something that we all can never have enough advice on. What to say to no. yourself, who to turn to when you're in having yeah. a moment of self-doubt or where you just you lose your belief that you have in yeah. the beauty of what you're doing. What do you do? A hundred percent. I am not great with confrontation anyway. And I, I really struggle with that. And I'm also a people pleaser. I want everyone to like me. I don't want anyone. I don't want and I'm also quite unhappy most of the time. I don't, I don't like negativity. I don't want, you know, to have any kind of negativity around anything. I'm not looking for a fight. I'm not into fighting. Mm. So I was definitely really hurt by everything that happened, mainly because this has taken two years and all my money. <laughs> like I'm raising a family of four kids here. There's six of us. And I'm constantly working and I don't have millions of dollars to put into this. And I've put all the money that I have, like, you know, had into it. Mm. And then on launch and I'm trying to get over the line, like big contracts with Priceline and things like that. And, you know, to have people attack me so personally like this and so loudly, 
that could have really ruined me. It could have meant that I didn't get Priceline across the line. It could have meant that I was not strong enough internally and I could have fallen into deep depression. And then what would that look like for my children? I would be in bed for God knows how long or that, you know, or I could bankrupt me. Like there are so many things that could have happened from this constant, you know, negativity and really loud noise that these people were making that could have ruined me. So I really kind of had to sit back and I have a great team behind me and my husband's incredible and my mum and just to have that support was really important like I, I couldn't have done it without them and also in the end it was like to the point where I just don't read comments just don't read anything anymore yeah. and just continue with your story don't change I'm happy to listen I want constructive criticism where I can go yeah okay I want to hear what you have to say look at it and then think yeah okay I can take something away from that thank you for you know bringing this to my attention but when people are being so aggressive and so rude and hurtful I don't want to know like yeah. they're, they're not going to I'm not going to learn anything from that except for the angry people yeah. so um yeah it, it definitely taught me yeah a few things <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hard enough. Self-criticism and self-doubt is hard enough even when mm-hmm. things do go really well and exactly mm. as you planned it or better. But when yeah. they are responded to with people sort of trivialising the work that you've put into it and mm. poking fun at it because it makes them uncomfortable is just mm-hmm. I love the digital world so much for what it has allowed mm. people to do with their lives, but I also think it gives people a voice who sometimes don't think about the fact that there's a human being That's on the other right. end. And 100%. I have so much admiration for you for the resilience that you've obviously grown because I'm a people yeah. pleaser as well. And if like yes. I get a tiny bit of feedback that's bad, like yeah. I'll really do work on it. Yes. But it, it throws me for like a long it time. Does. <laughs> yeah, it certainly does. And I think too, you know, launching a product during COVID where people are already they're kind of pissed off, you know, they're kind of and and sitting at home with nothing to do. And, and also in this age where everybody is just so outraged for everything, like everyone has something to be outraged for. And quite often people are jumping from one outrage to another outrage. It's just yeah. kind of ridiculous. So, yeah, interesting times, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think, though, with things that are new and controversial, I actually had this conversation with, uh, do you know Flex Mummy? She's a... Yes, I was. Did, I did her podcast. She was really great. Oh, she was, yeah, she was awesome. Amazing. Yeah, so she we was, had yeah, like asked a, all the good questions and, yeah, really on board. Everything that's new is outrageous until it's not, and then suddenly everyone that's wants a piece it. of you. So yes, you're, you're just right. a, a trailblazer. And yeah. the world has to catch up. But I love that you're brave enough to push through because it's a beautiful product. Thank you. Incredibly important that we all start to embrace that yeah. sort of self-care for ourselves and not think it's weird to have a freaking vagina. I know. Exactly <laughs> right. Who knew? <laughs> it's like not revolutionary, guys. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so strange to me. But, yeah, hopefully people will start to, you know, just take it on. And I really want Fig Femme to be just normal. I just want people to, yeah, pick it up in their, you know, their shop and not be embarrassed about having it in their shopping basket and it's just something that they use without thinking oh my god should I be using this Kenosha do I have to hide it it's just an everyday product well it's thanks to people like you that that is what's yeah. happening these things are becoming more <laughs> every day and um yeah I admire you so <laughs> yeah. much in Thank between you. it all how do you mm-hmm. find balance with the kids the businesses how much 
the business consumes of your energy and emotions. Yeah. Do you aspire to balance? Is that something you like try to achieve? Or Definitely. I'm always working towards balance. I, I think it's more of a juggle. I'm yeah. more of a juggle, <laughs> not a balance. <laughs> yeah, some days I have it, some days I don't. I've just learned not to really beat myself up about it. And I think one thing COVID has definitely taught me is to be more flexible and just to just roll with it. I was used to be very structured. Everything I had to do was, you know, my gym had to be at this time. I had to eat this at this time. I had to do my emails at this time. Now it's like you just don't know what the day is going <laughs> to bring. Like you just, you know, just and especially with homeschooling that we had to do because my kids are off school from February until only a couple of weeks ago. Oh, my god! So they took homeschool very seriously here in Bali, which meant that I had to homeschool them for that whole time, which is not great for someone with dyslexia and probably not turn out the brightest kids in class anymore. But, yeah, that, was, that definitely then was a juggle. So, you know, many sort of emails late at night and that kind of thing, which then impacts on my relationship with Adam. But, you know, Adam and I have now tried to like have a couple of nights away together and that kind of thing to reconnect because it's really important to uh you know for everyone to have that time with each other and I can sometimes sense like even in the kids that you know one of them is not seeing me enough and they're sort of acting out and then we'll put it set aside for us to have you know a day together and that sort of thing so Mm. it's really important to kind of tune into that a bit more and um yeah I think it's uh that's a really important part of the idea of self-care that it involves nurturing your relationships around you as well. It's like, mm-hmm. obviously you need to look after yourself, but yeah. part of that is also making sure that your relationships with the people you love the most are sort of healthy and, right. and doing yeah. well. So the last yeah. section is called play TA, which is actually nay TA, which is all the things that are challenging, but I feel like we've kind of weaved that into our, <laughs> <Okay>. our <laughs> chat so far. But the last section is play TA, which is really where you strip back all of the doing the Lindy mum, Lindy businesswoman, Lindy mm-hmm. wife, all the roles that you play mm. and just look at the things you do just for joy. What makes you forget what mm. time it is? What do mm. you immediately want to do just to indulge yourself, to feel good? Like how do you play? So I would say like I'm, I've just recently learned to meditate, which has been amazing. It's got me through a lot of those hard moments that we're talking about before. So definitely having 20 minutes I should do it twice a day, but once a day, maybe once every second day, but at least it's sort of starting to happen. So Mm -hmm. that's really been amazing for me to to learn. Then on the switch side of that, red wine. (laughs) Amazing. I love a glass of red wine. (laughs) I really do. It's just like, and I really need to do a detox because I've had all these allergies and stuff, but um, I just can't. (laughs) (laughs) I just really love drinking red. Not that I'm a drunk alcoholic, but I definitely love a couple of glasses of red wine. Um, I've tried to sort of pull that back to just weekends only. When COVID happened, it was every day and now it's kind of just on weekends. I love bike rides with the kids. The, you know, the roads are really open in Bali now. It's not jam-packed like people can remember. So we just got bicycles and ride our bikes everywhere, which is so nice. I really love that. Uh, cooking, I've really, we just moved, we've been building this house the last year. We moved just as COVID hit here and um, I've got like the kitchen of my dreams now. So oh we gosh. just cook and teaching my son to cook has been one of the major joys um, recently. He really loves it and has gotten involved and, and, you know, he just loves every part of it, which is great. Um, and definitely date nights with Adam and making sure we have those times together. I can love, yeah, love spending time with him. 
um, as well, which is nice. What are your date nights? What do you guys do? Are you like Netflix watchers or are you do you go out for dinner? Like what are your ideal we'll nights? We go out for dinner. Yeah, we definitely go out for dinner. I've always had Japanese is my favourite. Me and too. Favorite. <gasps> and there's so many great Japanese restaurants here in Bali. Uh, and re- and I know I sound a bit spoilt here, but restaurants are still open in Bali. So we can still go out, which is really, really nice. And even um, cruises on the motorbike in, together and mm. things like that. Often, actually, we have to do our fighting on the back of the motorbike because I don't like to necessarily fight in front of my kids. <laughs> I'll get on the back of the motorbike and we'll be on like holding on and you da, 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 da. <laughs> I love so sometimes it's where I unleash on him but most of the times it's um you know you know nice catch-up times oh, well, that's so nice I love how it's everything that you said just now is something that's mutually exclusive with other activities and I think mm. even if you're not an actual meditator I think you get a lot from being mindful in just one activity at a time instead of like yeah multitasking all the time I love yeah. activities that stop you doing your work at the same time. And I think that's, that's right. why Fig Femme is so beautiful because you can't just walk around at the same time as yeah. having the mask on. I love that that's it forces it. you to lie down. It because- forces you and it forces you to lock the door too because, I mean, I, I can't tell you the last time I've gone to the toilet even without having the kids come in. <laughs> and, yes, I could lock the door but I kind of just forget and it's kind of – but then I definitely, if I'm going to lay there with a, a Fig Femme you know, vulvar mask on, I'm definitely <laughs> going to lock that door to, yeah. <laughs> just to – have my moment. <laughs> and I'm totally that person that I smack on a face mask and I'm like, whoa, self-care. And then five minutes later, I'm trying to vacuum and like do my yeah. emails. And I'm, I think it's self-care, but I'm like, this is not winding no. down at all. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> so second last question to finish up, what are mm-hmm. three interesting things about you that don't normally come up in interviews? I guess Maybe that I'm dyslexic. I was going to say, I think that's a really interesting one. Yeah, and like learning difficulties. Like I was always put in like, you know, the special group, special needs group at school and stuff. It was mortifying to always because then, yeah, and I wasn't like, you know, I had to be in a class with people with actual real problems. So just because I couldn't spell, it was like that was really difficult for me. Um, What else? Oh, maybe that I think I'm a really good driver. Oh, good one. <laughs> I think I'm great at driving. I think um, I would have loved to have, I've not been a racing car driver, but I think I really, I just think I'm quite talented. Wait, like competition level driving? <laughs> yeah, Stop. I think that I am. I really like it. But I love that you um, say, I think I'm quite a good driver, which makes me think yes. that other people dispute that when you tell them. <laughs> yeah, my husband, my husband often feels like I don't let him drive actually, which is a very con- bad controlling habit I have. He's very good on the motorbike, but I, I think that I'm better at driving than him. So I'm constant. yeah, the car, that okay. I'm always the one that drives. <laughs> See, that's weird. interesting. Nick would yeah. never. Like I, even oh. if he was like half dead and like bleeding out the side it, of the car, he'd still want to drive. He'd be like, you're not, no. No, I don't let Adam drive, which I think I need to start doing because it's come up a few times in our arguments. So I think it's a bit nasty. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> so, it's an issue. Yeah. So I'm going to have to like, you know, yeah, give him some driving time. <laughs> and the third one, oh, what's the third one? I don't know. Do you have any weird, thing? like one of mine that's just so weird and I still don't understand it, but I am fascinated. My mm. way to relax is like true crime and serial killers and war movies. Oh, yeah, same. I, I love I love watching all the documentaries on serial killers and the prisons. I it's love so, watching. Me like, too. I'm obsessed, like so much. It's just weird. And I, I like even repeat them. I've even watched something and I'll still repeat it. It's very odd. I like real 
yeah, real crimes. Yeah, me too, like real yeah. heavy shit. And it's yes. weird because I'm so like you, I'm like fluffy, I'm a people pleaser, yeah. like I don't yeah. like confrontation, but then I really love like hectic Actually, negativity. That, that is something because <laughs> even Adam, because really, Adam doesn't like them, so I have to watch them on my own and he'll be like, oh, my God, do we have, it's so depressing watching this. It's like it's terrifying. I know I really enjoy it. And even when I was pregnant, I would get obsessed to watching weird shows that I would never usually watch. So when I was pregnant with Goldie, I was obsessed with like um, drama. Like I used to watch Versailles and um, like period movies and um, wow. which I, I don't actually watch them now. I don't, I don't have any interest, but only when I was pregnant with Goldie, I watched everything. I was really obsessed with it. So That's so yeah, fascinating. <laughs> it's like everyone else gets food cravings and you have like weird TV things yes, when you're pregnant. It's really strange. <laughs> Very uh, odd. And very last question, what's your favourite quote? Oh, I don't really know. I actually, I mean, I had one written down, but it's in my phone and now I'm on my phone talking oh, to you. No. I, think, <laughs> <laughs> I really have been getting into um, a lot of, is it Brienne? Brienne Brown? Yeah, Brene Brown. Uh, Brene Brown. And she'd said there was something about, you know, not stepping into the arena um, to contribute, then, you know, get out. I just, I don't want to. I can't think what that quote was. I'm going to have to Google it and find it for you later. Mm. But it was just basically saying, if you don't have anything constructive to sort of say, um, I just don't want to, you know, I'm not going to join in. I'm not going to join into the conversation you're trying to have with me. So oh, that's a really yeah. good one. I like that. Yeah. I wonder what it yeah. is. I love her quotes. I'll find, no, they're really good. And actually watching her TED Talks and things, that helped me a lot through that really dark period of a month ago. So yeah. Yeah, I'm really kind of anything that she does. I'm like, oh, what she I love her. <laughs> I love her so much. <laughs> oh, and one question I forgot to ask you: Why fig? So that's an interesting thing. So many people have said to me, you know, the haters were like, oh, I don't want my vagina smelling like fig, and it's like, uh, it's actually unscented. Like, it's not <laughs> doesn't smell like fig. It's the name of the brand. Um, when you cut open a fig, it kind of resembles a vagina. It does. So I thought, and it's very beautiful and I just, uh, you know, fig images are sort of really beautiful anyway. And, um, yeah, I thought fig was a really, and it was hard. It was really hard thinking of name for this product because there's a fine line of making something crass or mm. um, funny or jokey. I just didn't want that. I wanted it to be luxe and beautiful and, mm. um, yeah, and I think fig suits it really well. Yeah, I think so too. That's what it evokes. It evokes a very serious yeah. but yeah luxe and beautiful and also I would not mind if I smell like a fig they smell amazing. no exactly <laughs> yeah, it smells nice <laughs> why would you want it to smell like anything else I, I know <laughs> <laughs> oh well Lindy so thank you so much for the chat this was so thank so you. enjoyable and I'm oh, just have so much admiration for you so kind thank you so much for having me on I adore creating this show so much because I just learn so much from other people's stories and reflections on their life. I've been really lucky to spend time with Lindy before and we got along like a house on fire, but it's always so eye-opening and truly lovely to get to know someone more when you have a full hour to just chew the fat on life. 
I never really know what's going to come out each week and I'm never disappointed by how interesting each chat is for such different reasons to the last and I hope you guys feel the same. If you enjoyed the chat, please shower Lindy with love, tagging at Lindy Klim and myself so we know what you thought. And thank you so much again for all the love and sharing of the Seize the A book. I can't believe how many of you now have it in your hot little hands and how much you're enjoying it so far. If you haven't got your copy yet, it's now fully launched and on shelves, at least outside of Victoria, but online for us in lockdown. I'll include links in the episode notes. Hope you're having a wonderful week and a seizing your yay.